Thank you, guys. And flip 180, you're free to go. Flip 180, you guys are free to go to your class. All right. Man, look at all of them. We are blessed with many, many children. Thank you, Lord. Half of our congregation. That's right. We'll take that any day. Any day. Many churches would love to have those children. Man, we're blessed. How's everybody doing? Anybody let Jesus in their boat this morning? Sweet, wasn't it? Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you. Wow. We serve a wonderful God. A wonderful God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, what a joy and what a privilege it is to serve and love you. And Lord, we're all here this morning to... uh, to be devoted to you. To draw closer to you, God. And I I just prayed, Father, today as we break the word, (laughs) the living word, Lord, that you would transform our thinking. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you want us to hear today. I pray any distraction, any hindrance, Lord, that you would remove it out of our way. I pray, God, for any attention deficit, any uh, distraction from what your heart is wanting us to have in our heart today. Father, we want to hear your word, and we want to hear what you are saying, and we desire so much, Lord, to follow you. So, Lord, I just pray today, open our ears, let our eyes see, and may we comprehend and have revelation of your beauty and your glory through your word today. We thank you that, Lord, you have preserved your word through the ages. That, God, the written word, the Logos word that you have given us, Father, we thank you that we have it in our homes. We thank you, God, that we get to read it every day. We thank you that we get to understand and comprehend who you are through the written word. And now may the proclamation of that word, God, may it go deep inside of our hearts today. And Father, we thank you for it in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said? Say, I love the word. Amen. Well, today I'm going to uh, continue on my series that I've been talking about. I have titled it, The Cost of Discipleship. And... uh, and if I was to put a subtitle on it, 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 it would probably be that disciples, we, us, that disciples move. And we move from one place to another's place. We're maturing, we're growing. And true disciples of the Lord, they grow and they mature. And they, they move in their walk with God. And so we've been talking about that. And last week we talked a little bit about how disciples must uh, move from uh, just believing in Christ to following Christ. You guys remember that, hopefully. That's kind of been, we've been on that for several weeks. And then we talked about how disciples move not just from following Christ, but last week we hit pretty hard on this thing of that disciples move from following to pleasing. 
Does anybody remember that last week? And we go to this place of learning to please our Heavenly Father. Not just believing and following, but I get this thing inside of my heart where I learn to please my Father. I learn to please the Lord with my life. And we talked about um, the will of God. And the scripture that I used last week, I'm trying to find my, there we go. It was deep in my pocket. Um, make sure it's on. It is on. Last, uh, last week we started talking about, again, disciples are moving in their faith from believing to following and following to pleasing. And I used the scripture last week that I told you it really per- has perplexed me or challenged me, the word where uh, in Matthew Jesus said that many shall come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not heal the sick and raise the dead and drive out demons. They were doing the stuff. But he will say to them, flee from me, for I never knew you. And then it goes on in that passage that says, the one who does my father's will, (laughs) he is my disciple. He who does my father's will those are the ones that will, that will, that will come after. They will, they will see the kingdom of heaven. And that there is this disparity in the body of Christ, in, in, the, in our culture. Many pe- people say they believe, but they don't follow. Many people say they believe, but they don't live a life that is pleasing unto God. Hey, I've done it. Anybody else there? We, we, and it's, so it's a process. Uh, again, discipleship, I've talked about how it's not an event, but it's a process. And so even though you may not be pleasing God and you're not following all of his ways yet, that it is a process. That I was not, my goal last week was not to get you to question your salvation. My goal was to get us to question our motivations and where are we at in the process of discipleship. That we have got to be about a people who are, we're, God's developing an army here. God's developing an army in order to inflict casualties and damage on the kingdom of darkness. And so that army has to be trained. That army has to go through a sense of boot camp. And in boot camp, you start maybe running a mile, but you don't finish with a mile. You know, when you start boot camp, you'd, you may start with 15 push-ups, but by the end of boot camp, you better be doing more than 15 push-ups, Right? When I started exercising, I believe it or not, I do exercise. But I could remember when I started, I couldn't run a whole lot of my, I couldn't run a lot. I started walking, and when I started walking, I got shin splints. And I had to work through the pain of the shin splints. I had to work through that pain, and eventually I got to a place where I could do it without pain in the shins. You know what I mean? And then you move to running, and then you move to other things, and, and I need to keep moving. <laughs> Just like discipleship, you got to keep moving, right? And so this process that we're talking about is, I'm not trying to get you so down about yourself. I'm trying to find where you're at in the process and then that we are moving us in a direction. And all of us in this room are in different places in our walk with Christ, right? All of us are in different places. So we're moving, again, from believing to following, following to pleasing God And we talked about last week that those who do my Father's will, disciples do God's will. And we talked about how the word will literally means his desire and his pleasure. So I put his desire plus his pleasure equals his will. Does anybody want to do his desire and his pleasure? That's what we want to move to. You guys are quiet. 
That's where life gets real exciting. That's where life's not boring. That's where the inferiors of this world, pleasures of this world, all of a sudden become less and less, and the pleasures of God become greater and greater. I see God's even doing something in my heart. Me and Joel and Abraham, we went several weeks ago to the Hoosier Gym over in uh, Knightstown, and we watched all the best players of Indiana play. And of course, they were slamming it, and there was all these high school players. And I was sitting there watching, and it was like, that used to really excite me. That really used to just do something for me. But it was like, I'm ready to go home. Me and Joel looked at each other and go, man, this isn't what it is, Dad. I, I mean, sports is great, and I, I loved great talent, but every one of those men who were slam dunking it have been given a gift from God called athletics, and it is for the glory of the Lord, for his pleasure and his purposes, and they were out there going like, hey, I'm bad, you know. Bad, you know. No, you ain't bad. You just gifted. Can I have an amen on that? You're just gifted by the glory of the Lord in your body. I know I'm gifted. I know. I know you guys are all thinking, man, he's gifted. But that pleasure of watching them slam it and get all cocky and all that kind of stuff, all of a sudden, just the taste in my mouth was like, whew, I can't wait to leave. There's something better than this. There's something better than this. Discovering his desire and his pleasure, that equals the will of God. And I just, you know, last week as I shared and began to talk about that, you know, I, I, I want us to go to a place where we discover how true disciples really want to discover the desire of the Lord and the pleasure of the Lord. They want to move their life down the field. They want to get the football, and they want to go first yard, second yard. They want to move. They want to move. Everybody say, move with me, please. Say, I want to move. I want my life moving. Yes, that's what we want. Amen. So what brings God's heart great satisfaction? That's the journey we're on. What does he want? What is it that God wishes and longs for? And we talked about that last week. What brings God's heart pleasure? What is it that he is craving? Love. Yeah, love. There's a lot of things the Lord craves. And in each of our lives, though it's, different, though it's the same, it's different. Because God is dealing with each one of us in different places, in different areas of our life. And so he's requiring a different kind of love from you that he may be requiring from me. Because I'm in a different place than you. I can remember when I first got born again. I can remember he was dealing with me on this discovering his pleasure and his will of getting rid of cussing and the words that came out of my mouth that I became positive. I remember when he wanted me to get rid of pornography in my life because I wanted to have greater pleasure in him than the garbage in my life. Can I have an amen? And so each one of us are at a different place where he's requiring something of us. He's asking for something from you that you get to a place where you discover his desire and his pleasure in your life. And it may be different than mine, and that's good. And true disciples move from what brings them pleasure We'll say that again. True disciples move from what brings Eric pleasure 
to what brings God pleasure. And man, what a journey that is, guys. What a journey of crucifying the flesh. What a journey of, gosh, getting me outside of myself. Here's the here's thing I was dealing with, uh, and, and Joel wouldn't care. He, by the way, we want to bless him and Mike. Joel is at um, New Lisbon Christian Church, and Mike is at Open Gate. Bless them, God, as they share the word today in Jesus' name. Bless them. They're, I'm glad God's using people in our church to minister elsewhere, aren't you guys? Rabbit trail. Bless them. But I was, we, me and Joel were talking, and, and, and I'm just using this example because what I'm trying to do, I'm not trying to promote my family. What I'm trying to do, I'm trying to give you practical application of the Word of God today. Are you guys for that? And so when I'm talking about discovering the pleasure of God and discovering what He wants, I believe these examples help us to put a foot on a stone to say, I relate with that, and I understand what you're talking about. I can actually now apply that to my life and understand it for where, how it meets my life, okay? So yesterday, Joel, for the last couple weeks, has been working on thank you cards to thank everybody in the church and outside the church that helped him to get to Africa, or not Africa, Russia. Maybe that's another place he's going. Maybe that was a prophetic slip. For two weeks, he's been working on it, and so we're getting ready to leave for vacation for a little bit, and I texted him this morning. This is refresh. This is fresh off the press of the, fam fam the Haler family, okay? And he is house-watching for somebody, so he wasn't at home, and I said, hey, buddy, I just want you to let you know. I texted him. I said, I'm praying for you. May God anoint you and bless you as you share God's word and the testimony and all that kind of stuff. He said, great, Dad, I'm feeling the power of God's Spirit on it. I feel like he's leading me in this direction. I said, great, awesome, go, be blessed. He said, okay, see you later. And then he said, hey, Dad. And, oh, then I said this to him. I said, hey. I said, how you coming on those thank yous? Text was real quiet. I will get those finished tonight, I promise. Now, I'm letting you in a little secret here. Don't go hammer Joel. He is being moving down the process. He's maturing in his walk with God. And here's where we went. And I said, well, we leave tomorrow. How are you going to get those thank yous to people? And he texted me back. He said, I'll put them in the church mailbox, and then that way they can pass them out next Sunday. I texted back and said, nope, won't work. Not somebody else's responsibility to give to other people. <laughs> Teaching, training, discipleship. You guys with me? Yes. He texts me back, ouch, that was painful. <laughs> he said, you're right. That's not their responsibility. This is a case of procrastination and putting off something I should have done. And then here comes Papa. And I said, you're right, buddy. I said, that's a case of your desires over God's desires. I said, buddy, here's what's going on. You're growing as a man of God to learn how to put God's desires above your own. You've put off this stuff because people are not as important to you yet as, as your own desires. What pleases daddy's heart is still not as high as it should be as pleasing him rather than your own desires. Now, that may sound really small to you, 
But that's how we train our children. That you know what? People are more important than your desires. Because they're more important to Jesus. It's his pleasure and his desire that we want. And here's what I did. I texted him. I said, you know what, son? I'm proud of you. That you're recognizing and that you have enough humility in your heart to recognize that you've just made a mistake. And that you're, 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 you're going to do what's right. And I said, it's a process, son. Don't let the enemy condemn you. Realize you're moving the ball down the court. Can I have an amen on that? And you might think, well, what's so big about that? I'm telling you what. You know what's big about that? Is people in this house have sacrificed their money. And we all have bills. You sacrificed your labor to get a young man to fulfill the will of God on his life. That's a big deal to heart of God. The people lay down their life for you. But every one of us have pleasures. Every one of us have desires. Every one of us have things we want to do. <laughs> the want to do's are huge in our culture, aren't they? Aren't they? Every one of us have the wants to. I want this, I want that. But true disciples are these people, and I know I'm recapping really long this morning, but you give me more time. True disciples move from their pleasure to what brings God pleasure. And as a disciple, I move and I start loving God more than I love myself. Can I have a witness? As a disciple, as a lover of God, I begin to love God more than myself, more his desires and his pleasure more than myself. And boy, is that a fun, hard journey sometimes. So, my question from last week is, how did you do this week at discovering what God's pleasure is? His will, his desires. Because I'll guarantee every one of us had desires and wants that wanted to take over God's desires and wants. I guarantee every one of us was tempted, tested in this message. Because last week, it was really quiet after service. Did you guys remember how quiet it was last week? Could have heard a pin drop in this place. I saw tears. I saw the conviction of the Spirit of God as God began to move on people's hearts to make them realize a paradigm shift. Wow, I'm more consumed with my own world than I am God's. saw some tears and many of you shared with me this week how the message moved your heart and hopefully you assessed your own life last week and began moving everybody say moving I pray last week's message made you start moving hopefully you determined to grow in your love for God and his pursuit of his pleasure you know, because really, last week's message, those messages are designed to move us. That's what God wants them for. When I pray and I seek the Lord on what I'm to share, those messages are to move us. I'm really speaking the very words of God. I may do it in an imperfect way, 
but they're really the words of God. They're literally to move us, to shake us, to change our perspectives. And we, that message is, is, is one of these things where he was trying to enlarge our capacity to love him. He was trying to enlarge our capacity to seek what pleases his heart and his desires. And I wonder, how is it working in you? Because I was going to move on further in the message, but you know, really, I cannot even move further in my message on discipleship if we don't get this revelation. Because if I move in my message on where the Lord is taking me, and we do not get this revelation of his pleasure, you will become a bunch of religious people who do things out of the wrong motivation. You will begin to do the right things with the wrong motivation. You will not be doing it out of pleasing him, but you will be doing it out of duty. And if you do it out of duty, we will become like every church around. Most people are doing great things for wrong motivations. That's why the world calls us hypocrites. That's why the world calls us what, all these things, and they don't want a part of us. And so I don't want to move on until we realize that, wow, God, I need your help in moving me to this. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to convict me and to help move me because I cannot move myself. I don't have the power in myself. It is in God that I get the power to move my ball down the field. There is part where we're going to talk about there is part my effort, but I'm telling you there is God's part too. I believe even our worship services have changed. And the worship time, this morning I could even feel it as we were starting to sing some of those songs. It was like, wow, we were trying to make it about God, but yet part of our flesh wanted to make it about us. And there was, this, there was even a war that was going on even within our worship this morning. It was hard for some people to break in and, yes, make it about you. I want to make it about pleasing you. But yet, there's part of us that wants to make it about us. Anybody struggle with that today or feel it? I think Tom hit it really great several weeks ago. Tom said this as we were getting ready to worship. He kind of set the stage for us. He basically said, you know, today we don't want to be self-aware. You guys remember that about three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Tom said he challenged us, don't be self-aware. Don't be self-conscious right now. Be God-conscious. Let's make it about him. And uh, I got to meditating on that and thinking, you know, Lord, in our worship, in our, our world as a whole, we have become so self-aware. You guys realize that? You know what the word self-aware means? Self-conscious, you know what that means? This is what it means. Being excessively aware of being observed by others. How about in your worship on Sunday morning? How aware are you? Are you excessively aware of people watching you? That's why I close my eyes. I gotta close my eyes. If I don't close my eyes, I will be distracted by everything. When Tom was challenging us, he was actually challenging us, don't worry about what people think and what you think of yourself. But what he was trying to get us to do is he was trying to get us to do was to 
close down the thinking part of our brain of being self-aware of ourselves and be conscious that God is in the room. Alger tried to do the same thing for us this morning. We're in the boat. The cares of this life are trying to keep your attention away from the Lord. But Jesus is walking right beside your boat. Will you let him in? And we've got to become less self-aware and more aware that God is in the room. Right now, there is spiritual activity going on right now in the spirit. There is a realm of heavenly hosts right now in this room beside you. Right now, God has encamped four angels around this building that was prophesied many years ago that to give watch over what the Lord is doing here. There is activity going on right now. Whether you're bored stiff, whether you think this is a good message or not, there is activity going on right now. We are cooperating with angels. We are cooperating with the spirit of the living God right now. Are you listening? That's exciting to me. (laughs) Is there anybody in this house that wants to make it all about him and not you? Is there anybody in this house that wants to make it all about him and not about you? Is there anyone? Is there anybody in the army of God that wants to make it about the purpose of God rather than your purpose? I say our commanding general is a king, (laughs) and he has a kingdom. I say our commending general, he is a king and he has a kingdom. And he has a kingdom purpose and he has a kingdom plan. And he's looking for army people who will grab a hold of what he's wanting to do in this region and in this land. And he's saying, will you take the baton? Will you come with me and discover my pleasure, my will, so that we can move somewhere together? Or are we going to be like everyone else, just like the New Year's resolutions and peter out after three weeks, four weeks, five weeks? He's wanting to build an army. Can I have an amen on that? He's looking for people to enlist. People who will follow. People who will move their ball down the field and move from believing to following, from following to pleasing, from moving from pleasing to where I want to go today. Today I want to go to a scripture, a very simple scripture, and this scripture is a great passage where the New Testament church, where they began to, what made them explode, what made them thrive, what made them do the impossible. And I want to become a people who do the impossible. Does anybody else? I want to move and I want to become something. And so we're going to take a look at a scripture here. Maybe if I can get my, where am I supposed to point it if it's not working? Okay, I just want to make sure it's working. I don't want you to read it yet because I want to set the text of the scripture. Now, 
You guys ready to see the history behind this passage? Before we go to Acts, if you have your book, your Bibles, you can go to Acts. Now, what had taken place, we're getting ready to go to the first book of Acts, or second chapter of Acts. Now, what had happened was Jesus had been crucified. You guys got it? He'd been crucified. He had raised from the dead. And for 40 days, he had walked among the people of God, telling them about the kingdom, telling them about what they needed to do. And there's about, I don't know, I did, some, I, I did some studying on this. It's really fun. Here's where the word of God gets fun. I would just encourage you to go look up every scripture about what Jesus taught in that 40 days. It's fun. Go look at every passage about what Jesus talked about. Wouldn't you want to know, if I was going to die today, wouldn't you want to know my last will and testament? You'd want to know that I gave you know, my $600,000 to Christy and my $450,000 to you and my house to you. Yeah, yeah, all right. I don't have that much, by the way. Just trying to strike some. But Jesus started giving his last will and testament to his disciples. For 40 days, he preaches and he teaches all this kind of stuff. And then after 40 days, guess what? His final two things that he tells his disciples was Matthew 28. He says, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded them. Make disciples, he basically said. The, la- the, the next thing that he did in those 40 days, one of the last things he said is he goes, go to Jerusalem and tarry there. Wait until I endue you with power on high. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Okay? 40 days are up. The disciples go to Jerusalem. There's about 500 that start in Acts. There's about, this is an important point. There's about 500 that start with them on day one, praying and waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and they wait for 10 days. Guess how many were left after 10 days? 120. Not all will follow. Look at Jesus' eyes. There's about 500 in the beginning. But after 10 days and nothing happening, after 10 days waiting, after 10 days praying, after 10 days waiting in the upper room, whoo, things start to get hot. There's only 120 left. Baptism of the Holy Spirit comes. Fire comes. They get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they are on fire. Everybody say on fire. Does anybody want to be on fire? They waited. Everybody say wait. Wait. If we wait, what happens? There's all kinds of scriptures if you want to look up wait. He who waits on the Lord shall. They shall. They shall mount up. They shall. They shall. A lot of promises there if you wait on the Lord. 120 waited. (laughs) I'm going to tell you again, 120 waited. And something happened. And if we had a prayer meeting here for 10 days, we'd probably go from 175 down to... You give me two, give me three, give me three, give me four, 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 five, five, five. You give me six, six, you give me six, seven, seven, seven. Give me, oh, I, guess I saw Nathan move. He gave me eight, gave me eight. Can you imagine a 10-day prayer meeting, waiting? Hearing nothing, waiting, 
Where are you going with this, Eric? Well, let me ask you, what worked 2,000 years ago? What were they doing that made their love explode? What were they doing? What were they devoting themselves to that made the difference? So now we want to go to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to talk about something, and I'm going to bring out about four or five points, if time permitting. Everybody want to read this with me? All right, let's just read it slow. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Wow, there were 3,000 people saved on this day. 3,000 people water baptized after this explosion just took place. Now, I realize that this, there, and here's the point that I want to make. There's God's part, and there's our part. And there's a ditch on each side. If you get on just God's part, you get into laziness, and you get into, hey, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And you just wait, and you wait, and you wait, and nothing ever happens. Because on the other side of the ditch is there is our part. There is an effort. There is actually God is looking something from us. If you get on this side of the ditch and stay in it, then you get into legalism. And you think that you earn your salvation through works and not through grace. But there's a happy medium. Can I say that? Amen? Amen. Now, what do you think the word devoted means? The Holy Spirit had fallen, and they were moved by God, and they began to devote themselves. Just think about it in your own head. Because here's one thing that I find in our culture. Most people don't have a clue what being devoted is. Marriages break up. Committed, okay? Here's a definition. You got a pen? Because you're going to need this ink pen because I'm going to give you four things that you need to write down in the midst of this message. The word devoted here in the Greek, I would get real sarcastic and just say it means devoted, but it does mean more. The word devoted here means constantly diligent. Being constant in application and effort. Everybody say effort. Constant, continual. What's that mean to you? Without ceasing. That's good. Not stopping. Working diligently with the teaching. There is 
your part, the working diligently, the effort part, and there is the Holy Spirit's part. When those two come together, we've died and went to heaven. (laughs) Power. Dunimus. Now, here's what I want to say. We're going to go through these things, what they devoted themselves to. It's very obvious here, but I want to break down. Now, Pastor Lynn Furrow, last year when he was here, before he moved up to Iowa, he started hitting on some of these. He started talking about what were the four essential elements of the early church. But I want to, I want to, I could make a message out of each one of these, but I'm not going today. What I want to do is I want to make a point of, of this thing of devoting. Because what I want to do today is I want to take, what I'm trying to get stick in our heads is that, that we're, as we're moving the ball down the field, I'm moving from believing to what? Following. <laughs> Good, somebody listen. I'm moving from following to pleasing. And I'm moving from pleasing to devoting. I'm trying to take us somewhere. It may be slow, and you may think, well, Eric, I got it, and yeah, I'm figuring it out. But there is this process that God is trying to take, and this word devoted, we're gonna, I want us to get a hold of what they were devoted to because it's what they were devoted to that gave them the power to stay in love with Jesus. Amen. It gave them the power to stay connected to the vine. And I see in the body of Christ, not many people are devoted to these things. Therefore, they're not connected to the vine or the life source. And they have nothing to give. They're tired. They're worn out. There's nothing left at the end of the day. They're spent. Because the things of this world are choking people like crazy. Can I have an amen on that? So as the four things that they were devoted to. Again, the word devoted meaning constantly diligent, being constant in application and effort, working diligently with the teaching. Now, it says here that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, or we could classify that to the word of God. But what did they have as far as the word of God for just a moment? Think about 2,000 years ago. Did they have the printed word of God that we have? No, the scribes had scribed the word of God down through Psalms and Proverbs and all that through there, and they had scribed them, they kept them in jars, and I've talked about that last year, about how precious the word of God and how it's been preserved for us, but the common man, you and I, did not have anything we were looking at. We had to go to the temple. They had to go to the temple, and they would pull out the scribe, they would pull out the scroll, and they would read the word of the Lord. For the word of the Lord, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and they would, they would give it. But the common man, you and I, we had to go to the temple, and we had to be taught and everything, right? And so... What they had then was the apostles' teaching. So they devoted themselves to going and listening to the apostles' teaching daily. They were digging daily into the Word of God. Everybody say daily. Daily. They were devoted to hearing the Word of God preached and declared by the apostles. My question to you is, are you continually listening to the Word of God, reading the Word of God, 
Listening to podcasts, reading books, reading teachings, hearing the word of God preached, teached, and digesting it yourself. Yep, yep, yep. I know last year sometime I asked people to stand up who had just who had put Tom's challenge to reading the Bible every for 15 minutes a day, and only 10 people in the whole congregation stood up. That was last year or two years ago. Are you constantly diligent in the application and effort of the word of God? The effort. Here's what I know. Man, I can remember when I worked for the construction company. I can remember I was, I was the project manager and I was the sales guy. And I can remember work started at 7 and I can remember getting up at 4.30 every morning. And it took a lot of effort. Can you say effort with me? I loved my sleep. I hated the alarm clock. I despised the alarm clock. Ring, bonk, ring, bonk. And at first, it was effort. At first, it was just duty. But something started to happen. Something started to happen. I can remember... Going to work, listening to worship music. I can remember on between appointments, I would be listening to the word of God. I could remember all this, and I was taking in all this stuff. Oh, I was hungry for the word of God. I still am hungry for the word of God. I just get it differently now. Now, where am I going with this? Turn with me to Hebrews 5, 13. We may not get this done, but we may, we may. We'll see. Hebrews 5.13 says this. Anyone who loves, lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil, or good from evil. My question for you this morning, are you a milk drinker or a meat eater? Are you a milk drinker or a meat eater? Here's what the difference is between milk and meat. You ready for this? How many know we're going to give you a biological uh, education this morning? Tell me, tell me, how many stomachs does a cow have? Who can tell me? Who am I giving to you? Four, seven, four, seven, six, six, four. It's like four to eight. It's something like that. I know there's a lot in there. Huh? Seven. Seven. It has seven stomachs. Okay. Everybody's going, well, what's that got to do with the price of eggs in China? I don't know. I'm done now. No. Milk. How is milk produced? Hmm? Digesting food. Okay? Now, you put the food in the cow, goes in the stomach, brings his cut up, he chews it, puts it back in, it goes back into another stomach, brings it back up, he chews it more. It's called chewing your cud. Okay? There is a metaphor here with the, the word of God. You bring it up, you chew on it, you meditate on it, you pray about it. God, what are you trying to show me? You swallow. 
You bring it back up, Lord, what are you doing? I do this every day, going to work, going places. I'm thinking of a scripture. I've been meditating on Acts chapter 2 all week. God, what are you trying to show me? Chew it, eat it, swallow it, put it in his stomach, bring it back up, chew it. Okay, you with me? That's called chewing, eating, chewing, eating. This, I'm talking about how milk is produced now. Now the milk comes out of the cow after he chews and mm, and chews and mm, and chews and mm. Yeah, yeah, you're with me, right? You're tracking? Biology 101. Then the, the milk comes out the udder. Hey, we got udders. Anybody got udders in here? Okay. That's not where I was going. I'm sorry, first time here, rough, rough. Okay. Now, the cow and the calf. Where's the calf put the cow oh, its mouth? On the udder. It's getting what? Milk. Has that calf generated the milk? No. Who's generated the milk? <laughs> Most people want the milk of the word from me and from everybody else, but they're not willing to generate their own milk. They're not willing to do the hard work of chewing and bringing it up, chewing and bringing it up, and living in the word of the living God so that it conforms me and it transforms my thinking and the way I act and the way I live. When I see the word of God says, those who love me obey me, and I'm not obeying him, I'm going, God, I bring the word in, I chew it. God, why am I not obeying what's in my heart? What is in me that's causing me to, to do these foolish things, oh God? I chew the word, I bring it in, and I bring it up, and I put it in, and I bring it up, and it begins to transform me. It begins to change the very man that I am. Changes how I see myself. I don't no longer see myself as a deadbeat dummy. Inferior, but I see, whoa, I've been made in the very image of my God because I've meditated on Jeremiah. I've meditated on Zephaniah 3.17 who says that he sings around me like a top, like a spinning top, and that his thoughts towards me are just a ravenous. And I find that he thinks something of me that I don't even think of myself. And I start getting happy. Because I believe now I'm not the head, I'm the head, not the tail. I actually believe I'm above and not beneath. Because I'm taking the word of God, I'm chewing on it, I'm letting it transform my life, even when I don't understand it. Because to get understanding, it's hidden from you right now. It's hidden from you because God hides it because he's looking for people who are hungry for it. He wants you to draw from him. He wants you to pray for it. He wants you to ask for it. He wants you to go, oh God, I don't understand, show me. But to the casual one who just comes and does faith openings and says, oh, great. The Lord's read this to me. It's great. On my day, I read my word. Off to work I go. You'll not understand the word of God. You'll not become a milk producer. You will be on a tit the rest of your life. Excuse me. You will be sucking milk the rest of your life because you have not used it with constant use. You have not trained yourself. It's not my job to train you. I'm just to help you. Well, this is good word, guys. This is good stuff. 
But anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not equated with the teaching about righteousness. God's way. Righteousness. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use, they're taking the word of the living God. They're listening to podcasts. They're listening to the word of God by people they honor and respect. Because here's the thing. We're all at a different place in our walk with Jesus Christ. And here's what I do know. I have to help people in understanding the word of God until they can understand it themselves. All of us need to be doing that. If you're not understanding the word right now and the word of God is like Greek to you and it's like... Then you need to get somebody that's further down the road with you and say, man, help me with this. But you need to begin to make the word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were in it daily. They were hungry. They were thirsty. And maybe your hunger and thirst needs to be dealt with by the Spirit of God today. Maybe you need to pray and say, oh God, I am not hungry. I'm not thirsty for your word anymore. Oh God, awaken me. Maybe you need to be at the altar this morning saying, God, change me. Holy Ghost, come and fill me again. Because disciples are hungry. Believers are not. But we're moving from believing to following. We're moving from following to pleasing. And now we want to move from pleasing to devoting. You're getting my drift. And it's no condemnation. Wherever you're at in the process, there's no condemnation. It's like, no, just get on board. Get on the train. The train is moving. It's not that you're to be condemned right now. No, it's like come and eat and enjoy. The, there is a table set before you in the presence of your enemies that God is giving right now. And those who want to come to the table, there's food to eat. Amen. Lots of food. I could spend all day speaking about the Word of God. And I wished I could have found this on the, on, on, online. <laughs> I really didn't have time to look. But I really wished I could have found a picture of a guy with a milk ring on his lip and a guy with crumbs in his beard. We need some people with crumbs in their beard. They've been eating meat and they've got some leftover there. Because they've been digging into the word of God and they're doing this. But milk eaters, milk's good. But you got to move for milk. Milk's because you're getting it from somebody else. That was my point. If I didn't land the plane, I do have a tendency to have some rabbit trails. The point there was I've got to move from getting milk from somebody else to producing milk for others. That was the point I was trying to make there. You, am I tracking? Okay, that way I finished that point. So what's the first thing you need to devote yourself to? The Word. The Apostles' teaching. I know some crazy people in this church that are listening to the Word of God all the time podcast, downloading stuff, 
putting it on their MP3s, sending it to me, sending it to other people, burning CDs, doing all kinds of stuff to get the Word of God in them. It literally trips my trigger. Love it. Because they're becoming a meat eater. And they're going to become a discipler because they're after God's heart. I just need a whole lot more of them. Because I promise you this church will die if we don't get to meat eating. Okay. On to the next point. You ready for the next point? What else did they devote themselves to? It says to the fellowship. What in the word is to the fellowship? I'm getting ready to step on a lot of toes into these next ones. And it's 12 o'clock. Next week, Tom's going to preach, and the following week, Lynn is. So I want to get through it. Can you guys give me about 10 minutes? 10, 15 minutes? Can you guys hang on? Okay, get your seatbelt on. Okay. Remember, now again, we go back to the word devoted. Are you diligent about these things? Are you devoted to the word of God? Are you devoted to the fellowship? The word fellowship there is the Greek word koinonia. We've heard that phrase. We've heard that that many times. And I can't go into all the details of what koinonia is, but ultimately what I need to ask you is, are you constantly in relationship with God's people? Boy, it's quiet in here. The word for fellowship means in participation with. And here's another word. This is a really strong word. The word intercourse. I'm sure that brings about righteous thoughts right now. Are you in intercourse in the fellowship of the believers? Communion, partnership, that you do life with God's people, that your life is intertwined with others and with theirs. Is there a partnership you have with others or are you a loner? If we're going to move where God's wanting to take us, and I will confess as a pastor, I sometimes am a loner. I want to get away from people. Do I have a witness? Yes, I'm with people every day. I'm with God's people nonstop. And sometimes my motivation is wrong. Anybody else? Do I have a witness? We have changed our culture. I I was sharing this with Alex the other day. I can remember growing up. I'm getting ready to do a funeral probably in the next six months. A dear, dear friend of mine growing up. And she was my next door neighbor down in Ogden, Indiana. I lived there till I was nine, Mrs. Reedy. And I was sharing this with Alex. When I was growing up, the Baileys lived here, Sam and Inus. What names? Wow. Sam and Inus. Pauline and Paul. You had Virginia Reedy. You had Sam and Jenny. You had the, the, the Gillespies back here. And we're talking in a mile stretch here. And then you had over here, you had uh, Mrs. Norfleet. And over here you had, um, um, oh gosh, the long lane. We were always scared to go up the long lane. Oh, she was so good. Isn't that crazy? It's past me. I knew her. 
I did know her. And then over here, you had Granny Jones. And Granny Jones, when we came over there, she would make us popcorn. And then we on down, we had Gib Howard, and we had all these people. I knew my neighbors. I asked Alex, how many neighbors do you know? Our culture doesn't want to get with people, church. We have now went from big front porches to huge decks in the back with privacy fences so nobody gets in. We hit our garage door opener. We go in, we close it, and we hope nobody comes to the front door. I don't want to be bothered to my territory. I don't want anybody in my space. Isn't that the world we live in? Now, what I'm telling you is you're being seduced by the world because that's not God's kingdom. That is the kingdom of this world. And Koinonia says we're actually to be in fellowship with one another. That's why we have connect groups here. We're trying to create a structure that helps support the will of God. Can't make anybody go to connect groups. Can't make them, won't make them. But they're a structure to help support the purposes and the plans of God. That's why they're there. Some people partake, some people don't. And we aren't as mature in that as what we need to be because really we go to them, but we're not doing life together. Because we're moving the ball down the field. We're not where we're supposed to be, but we're moving the ball down the field, trying to get all of us to think kingdom-wise instead of the world's-wise. And so, no, we're not where we need to be, but are we, are we moving is the word I'm looking for. Are you moving in that direction to not be a loner, but be to connected to the fellowship of the believers? Hello? That's what fellowship, they were devoted to it. They met in house to house with sincere hearts and glad joy. Well, I can't say I have glad joy sometimes. If we're really honest, let's be real. Let's not be fake. It's more out of obligation. So something needs to change in our heart. We've got to get back to what? Finding out what pleases the Lord. We've got to get back to what's his heart. Not what pleases me. It doesn't please me to go to connect group, maybe. Good. Let it rub the rough edges off of you and let you go to God and say, God, I don't want to go. I want to go. I don't want to go. I want you to go. I don't want to go. I want you to go. Just like me on the family reunion. I don't want to go. I'm tired. I want to go home. No, I have a purpose for you, Eric. I don't want yet. I don't. And so I surrender and I say, okay, God, what is it your heart? I want to do your pleasure, your will. Ah, you love these people. Ah, I love my sleep and my rest more than them. Oh, ouch, mm, conviction. Oh, forgive me for not loving what you love. And then I move. And I make my life conform to his will rather than trying to tweak the word of God to make it sound like what I want. That's good preaching. They devoted themselves to that. I'm hoping that you'll read Acts 2.42 and say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. I see what Eric's showing, and I'm over here. 
I'm at the hundred yard line or the, the goal line. You're wanting me down there with fellowship and the word of God, but I'm here and I'm going to take one step. Okay, what's that step? I want to get in your heart. I'm sorry, forgive me, God. I just want to get better. I want to, I want to become a radical, passionate, aggressive lover of God. You're saying I need to devote to the word and I need to devote to the fellowship. Okay? Spirit of God, what's my first step? I take that step. I may get sacked. And I may challenge you again. You get back on and you come back and you go on and you come back and we keep moving the ball down the field. See, God's not going to leave you where you're at. He loves you too much to leave you where you're at. Okay. Number three, we're going to go quick. I'm going to skip that scripture and go to the next one. Oops. Well, you can leave it. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. That word fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the same word that is used in Acts chapter 2 to devote, is to, to be fellowship of the Holy Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit in fellowship with you? He's always with you, isn't he? He's always indwelling you. Got to tap into it. The third thing that they were devoted to was the breaking of bread. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Are you diligent and constant in eating? <laughs> yes, in eating. <laughs> we're all real good at devoted to being eating. But eating in other people's homes. <laughs> right, Sherlock. I mean, really. Eat in other people's homes? Yeah, right. Why I go have a tornado and try to clean the house up before you get there. My house is so chaotic. Some people's houses are so chaotic. Man, it's going to take me a three weeks before I have them over for dinner. Or our finances are so jacked we can't even afford to have somebody over for dinner because we haven't followed the Lord in our finances. Hot dogs. Going to Charlene's today for hot dogs, guys. I mean, I can tell you all kinds of roadblocks. I read a list. Most people are too ashamed to have people in their home. Most people don't even cook anymore. They wouldn't even know what to cook. Most people can't afford dinner because their finances are so jacked. Most people don't have time because they are involved in too many activities. They could never find a time that would work. Oh, let's get our schedule out. You've seen me do that. Okay, yeah, let's see here. I can get you in November 13th. You weren't supposed to tell them that, Sean. Or, here's the other one. Really? You want to have them over? I just want to come home and I'm tired. I want to sit down and click, click. Get in the ozone. Watch that TV. I mean, really? I mean, we are really, we're, we've had a touchback in this area. We've been sacked in this area as a church. We're, we're, not, we're not on the 20 or the 30 or the 40. <laughs> we're inverted. <laughs> we're positive, negative, 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 negative. There's a few of you that do this. But even when you do it, where's the motivation? Is it really out of love and devotion or is it out of duty? 
what they said in this passage was that they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, not sucking up hearts, not doing it because they had to. Exactly. You got to start somewhere. So what I'm saying is instead of condemnation, instead of us getting beat up and saying, oh boy, we really stink at this, and pointing fingers and saying, yeah, this church is immature, man. This church has a lot of way to go. I'm going to go find another one. Good luck. You'll find it there too. Because I haven't don't found many churches that are devoted. They're not devoted to the word of God. They're not devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're not devoted to the breaking of bread. They're not devoted to fellowship. They're not devoted to prayer and worship. They're devoted to me. My kingdom come. My will be done on earth as it is in Newcastle. I'm trying to step on your toes, but again, it's not condemnation. I'm praying for the Holy Ghost to really just come in just a boom. Wow, God, we need to change. I need to move the ball down the field. Anybody going to jump on with me? Because I'm telling you, God's correcting my heart. God is chewing on me and saying, Eric, your motives and your heart needs to be rechecked. Well, it's time to get off the bench. And it's time to get on the altar. The altar of devotion. The altar of love. The altar of, it's not me, but it's about him. I don't have time to go into prayer and worship but are you diligent to constant prayer and worship of the Lord in people's homes, in your car, wherever you go? Your eye, does your ears, are they filled with worship to the Lord? When you're at the gym working out, I see all kinds of earbuds in, but what is being played? There's four essential elements, guys. There's four essential elements that propelled this church they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They devoted themselves. Everybody say they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many signs and wonders and miracles were taking place. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions. Oh, that's a whole other topic goodness gracious they gave to anyone as they had need oh god help us we're so far from that can i have an amen, amen. god take us there every day they continued to meet in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising god and enjoying favor of all the people and the lord added daily to their number those who were being saved see people will run after that they'll knock your door down for that They'll, they'll come crashing in and say, oh God, what must I do to be saved? Because what you guys have, I need. True disciples follow because they love. And when you love, you follow. <laughs> and when you follow, you discover what pleases the Father. And when you discover what pleases the Father, you become devoted. <laughs> it's real hard. And these are the four things that you can do to foster your love for Jesus Christ. 
that I just talked about today. And this is what will happen. You will move. You'll move from believing to following. You'll move from following to pleasing. And you'll move from pleasing to devoting. The next time I share, I'm going to talk about how we then move from devoting to doing. That this thing that we're talking about goes from our head and when we get down to this pleasing and devoting, it gets in our hearts and then it works out into our hands. And we become such lovers, such lovers, that we start doing things with our hands to help others. But if we don't get the devoting and the pleasing down, we will be a bunch of religious... Yeah. We will be doing things out of duty and not out of love. And I refuse to take this church into a religious spirit. I refuse to take this church into a religious spirit. Because if I move you and I can't go from believing to following and you just go right into doing stuff, we will become religious and he'll vomit us out of his mouth. And I will be responsible for it. Because I didn't lead us to pleasing the Father and devoting our hearts to him. They devoted themselves, church. And I pray today that there is a conviction of the Holy Ghost that rises up in you to where you say, you know what, I'm going to enlist in that army. And I'm going to learn what pleases the heart of the Father and not myself. And I'm going to make a choice to be devoted to the Word of God. I'm going to be devoted to the fellowship. I'm going to be devoted to the breaking of bread. And I'm going to be devoted to prayer and worship in my life. And I'm going to lay my life down for the gospel. For it is the power of God for the salvation of all. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Stand with me. Thank you for letting me take the time to finish. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for the power of your conviction that leads us to godly sorrow and that godly sorrow would lead us to repentance. I pray, God, that you would continue to assault our thinking this week. Because, God, we want to lay our lives down for you. And we want to move to vote to devoting ourselves completely to you and your ways. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, today I know that there are people here that the Lord's dealing with your heart. I know you're convicted. I know you're challenged. And I don't want you to move into condemnation. That's from the enemy. But I just want you to simply ask the Lord. Be quiet right now. And Lord, just ask the Lord, Lord, how am I to move my ball down the field? I see that I'm lacking. I see I'm here. 
but I want to be there that Eric's talking about. That's the vision. That's where I want to go. God, I want that. I want that. But what area are you wanting to deal with my heart right now? And for each one of you, it's going to be different. What is the Spirit of God wanting from you? Would you just take five more minutes and ask the Lord, how does he want to move your ball down the field? Where does he want you to be obedient in, in these four essential elements of devoting yourself to the Lord and pleasing him? I want to get quiet, and I'm going to let the Spirit of God convict you. I'm going to let him begin to speak to you. And if you'll open yourself up to him and just say, God, what do you want me to do? I believe he will speak to you profoundly. So go ahead and ask him right now. Take that time. Apply the Word of God now to your life and ask him. Spirit of God takes a long time to talk to us. If you're listening to him, you've already heard something. If you've not heard anything, we're going to have the altar team up here to pray with you. If you need some help in hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to you, we want to help you. Maybe you're here today and you've not taken the very first step of asking Jesus Christ as Lord and having him in your heart. Our team will lead you to the glorious Lord. And you can start on this journey that we're talking about of being a disciple. You can start on this journey with us and go with us today. And you can then move now from being an unbeliever to a believer. And then moving from a believer to a follower and a follower to a pleaser and a pleaser to a devoted one. Being devoted. So don't leave. If you're here and need Christ, we will help you. So if we could have the altar team come forward again. But here's what I'm going to ask you today, church. The Spirit of God just spoke to your heart. Will you now obey? Will you follow what he's told you to do? I want to encourage you to tell one person, tell somebody you trust what the Lord's asking you to do to follow and obey him today in the areas that we talked about today. Tell someone and let them hold you accountable. Maybe let them help you. But this is where I feel like the Lord wants me to do. This is the step I'm going to take, and I'm going to choose to obey and follow the Lord. Isn't that good? So, Father, I thank you for that. Lord, as we dismiss this service, I thank you, God, that you're not dismissing us. But, Father, that you would seal this word that has been preached and declared today. Seal it in our hearts. Seal it in our minds. Let it move from our head to our hearts to our hands. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, seal your word in the name of the Father and of the Son and the precious Holy Spirit. And may we take your word to others today and share your love to everyone we come in contact with in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Take your conversation outside, if you don't mind. 
That way, if people want prayer, if you're here today and want prayer, the team is open for prayer. We love you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.